0: Welcome to the Worcester Talking Newspaper, recorded on the 19th of April, 2018, by kind permission of the editor of the Worcester News. Your team this week are Paddy, Moira, Janet, Duncan, Hugh, John, Brian, I hope I haven't left anyone out, Uh, and as usual we have this week's headlines, birthdays, deaths, (coughs) and letters to the editor, Mm -hmm. and I think at this stage I'll start with an announcement I've been given about... Uh, cricket for the Visually Impaired. Um, there's a, a letter here from an Ian Eonton, I, I hope I pronounced his name correctly, or Yonton, um, And he says that I have registered you to play, and by you I guess anyone who's interested, to play for the Worcestershire Elizabethans this coming season. If he's ever seen my cricket, I think uh, he'd probably... <laughs> Uh, exempt me from that. Um, anyway, uh, indoor training uh, continues at Worcester New College uh, on Tuesdays at six thirty, and the next fixture <coughs> is Sunday the twenty ninth of April which is a league match against Staffordshire Wolves and that's 1pm at home. But I think anyone who's interested uh, should give Ian uh, a call and his number is oh seven five double i I'll read that again, oh seven five double nine eight zero three one nine five. if you're interested in cricket for the visually impaired. Okay, Uh, Lighting up times this week are approximately 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. And this week's headlines are, starting on Friday, Riverside drug dealer jailed. Saturdays is Dentist tried to meet boy 14 for sex. Monday, We Don't Need Yellow Lines. Tuesday, Fury over rude bin bag warden. And Wednesday, drugs ring jailed. And finally, on Thursday, which is today, the 19th, <coughs> last wish for brave Lily May. Okay, on to the birthdays. Mm-hmm. And on the 24th, which is next week, uh, there's a certain Hugh Thomas who's going to have a birthday. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Money and checks are acceptable, folks. If you'd like to send them, thank
1: you. Happy birthday, for then. Thank
0: you very much. And on the twenty seventh, it's Marjorie Hughes. Uh, Okay. Uh, Now then, I'll move on uh, to the uh, deaths announcements. Boris Dayus passed away peacefully on March the twenty second, aged eighty two. George Ernest Carter, passed away peacefully at home on March the 30th, age 91. Valerie Parker, passed away peacefully at home on March the 22nd, age 72 years. And uh, Anne Margaret Smith, Ne Wilson, late of 2A Corn Meadow Green Clains, peacefully passed away on March the 29th, age 77. John Tyler passed away peacefully Sunday, April the eighth, age eighty-six, <coughs> and Kathleen Campbell Ne Reynolds passed away peacefully. It was royal on Thursday, March the twenty-ninth, age eighty-seven. Leonard <coughs> Ernest, known as Len. Turberfield passed away peacefully at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on March the 23rd, 2018, <clears throat> aged 94 years. Roy Allen, beloved husband of Janet, much loved father of Colin, uh, doesn't say when he passed away, um, uh, and it doesn't tell me his age either. Uh, June Olive Bennett passed away peacefully at home on March the 23rd, aged 82 years. Sylvia Watkins passed away peacefully after a short illness on March the 22nd, aged 86 years. Maureen Amos Nee McGee passed away suddenly at home on April the 6th, aged 71 years. And Richard Dashper passed away peacefully on April the 4th, aged 84 years. Beryl Dunn of Shrawley passed away peacefully at home on March the 19th, aged 85 years. Margaret Maureen Hookway passed away on March the 26th after a short illness, aged 87 years. And Connie. Langard Langard, formerly Argyle Negale it says passed away peacefully on March the 28th aged 96 John Michael Lewis on April the 3rd passed away in hospital with his family by his side aged 60 and Donald Don Macbeth passed away peacefully at Worcester Hospital on March the 16th aged 60 years Janet Elizabeth Preston sadly passed away on March the 17th, aged 70 years. And finally, Nellie May, known as Nell Shepherd, sadly passed away, aged 102, on March the 28th, 2018. Okay, and here's Moira with the first headline.
1: Okay, it's Riverside Drug Dealer Jailed. A former waiter turned drug dealer who served up heroin and crack cocaine on the streets of Worcester is now behind bars. Vulcan and Kurt served meals in London restaurants, but turned to dealing drugs in Worcester instead, treating the city as his marketplace. The 21-year-old had his own congregation of addicts by the city's Riverside, but the dealer was spotted by undercover officers from Operation Blade, who were battling to cut the supply of Class A drugs. Kurt was responsible for a drug's telephone line called The Chef Line, which addicts used to get access to Class A narcotics. The investigation led to the seizure of hundreds of pounds worth of heroin in crack and around £2,000 in criminal cash, much of which was stashed in a Worcester hotel room where Kurt was staying. Police placed his benefit from the enterprise, including cash and drugs, seized as £2,997. Kurt of Mornington Close in London was arrested as part of Operation Blade, a police initiative to cut the supply of Class A drugs into Worcester from major cities, sometimes using young people or vulnerable adults to carry and sell drugs across county boundaries with the help of dedicated mobile phone hotlines. He had already admitted possession of heroin with intent to supply, possession of crack cocaine with intent to supply, possession of criminal property possession of cannabis and obstructing a constable in the execution of their duties when he appeared at Worcester Crown Court yesterday, so that was last Thursday, to be sentenced. Police officers in plain clothes spotted Kirk by the River Severn at around 1pm on Tuesday, March 6th. Timothy Sapwell, prosecuting, said they saw a group of users by the river near the Diglis Hotel congregating there, and deduced that a drug deal was about to take place, and spotted the defendant. The group made off towards the cathedral. The defendant was seen to approach a known user, who was subsequently arrested and found to be in possession of two wraps of drugs. Mr Satwell added, The defendant was also arrested. He refused to stop or comply, and refused to give his name or date of birth. He was seen to discard three wraps. They were found to be crack cocaine. He was taken to custody and gave a false name. When searched, he was found to be in possession of two mobile phones, one showing a connection with the chef line. Police also seized £70 in cash, found eight wraps of heroin in Kurt's underwear and a key card for a room in the city's White House Hotel. Mm -hmm. Officers searched the room where they found just under £2,000 in cash, including large sums of coins, finding 74 wraps of Class A drugs, each a £10 deal. They also found a block of cannabis weighing one and a half ounces. In interview, Kurt said he had come to Worcester looking for work, had brought the cash with him and claimed the drugs were for his own personal use. However, he ultimately pleaded guilty to the charges on March 26th. Mr. Sapwell said Kurt's role in the enterprise was significant, and the sentencing guidelines showed a starting point of a four and a half year prison sentence with a range of three and a half to seven years. He said the offences were aggravated by the community impact of this sort of dealing. Richard Hull, defending, said Kurt had been using cocaine but became indebted, undertaking his role to discharge the debt. He added that Kurt was not being subjected to threats and clearly knew what he was doing. He was trusted to be in that area and supply drugs in the way he was, Mr Hull said. Mr Hull described mm. Kurt as a quietly spoken former waiter with four GCSEs who would like to undertake a barber's course. Mm. He has suggested he's very committed to not making this mistake again, said well. Mr Hull. Mm-hmm. Judge Jim Tindall described it as a troubling case as Kurt had been a perfectly reasonable young man until he got involved in drugs. The judge jailed Kurt for 30 months. Time already spent on remand will count towards his sentence. A confiscation order was also made in relation to Kurt's available cash, which was £2,088, and a timetable drawn up for recovering other money he made through dealing. The judge added, you're young enough to put this whole experience behind you. Don't be one of the people who comes out of prison prison, and back into the arms of the drug dealers.
0: Okay. the lead story uh, from Saturday's paper is about a dentist who tried to meet a boy 14 for sex. It's a quite long article and I've taken the liberty of uh, editing it a little bit. Um, I don't think all the details are necessary Uh, a shamed dental surgeon was caught in a police sting after attempting to meet an underage boy for sex the boy was in reality a police officer and richard hayes hall who was a dentist in worcester was arrested after going to meet the 14 year old with sex toys in his car Qualified dental surgeon and lecturer Hayes Hall, aged sixty one, of Poolbrook Road in Malvern, appeared at Worcester Crown Court on Friday for sentencing. The dental surgeon who used to work at a practice in Worcester had already admitted a single count of attempting to meet a boy under sixteen following grooming. Hayes Hall was arrested in the Licky Hills, Birmingham on March the 14th, where he'd arranged to meet the boy. In interview, he told police he was bisexual and used digital communication to meet up with men aged 16 to 25. He told police there had been a suggestion he met the boy during half term but had bottled it because he knew it was wrong. The defendant had no previous convictions and had been a man of good character before this offence. Mark Sherwood, defending, said Hayes Hall had struggled for some years with his sexuality. The former boarding school pupil and university graduate was qualified as a dental surgeon, had worked as a lecturer and was highly regarded in his field. He added that Hayes Hall, a father of two, had been faithful to his wife, but some years ago his confusion about his sexuality returned. The defendant began to use adult pornographic sites before he progressed to more extreme sites, having become desensitized and detached from what he was doing. He knew the way he had been behaving had been wrong. He didn't know how to stop. When he was arrested, it came as a relief, said Mr Sherwood. Judge Robert Jukes, QC, said, I have to bear in mind the disgust most members of the public feel about the kind of behaviour you indulged in in this particular case. Between between January and March, you were in constant contact with someone you thought was an innocent 14-year-old schoolboy preparing to meet grooming him for that purpose and in the end arranging the meeting and equipping yourself for that purpose the public regard the, sorry the public regard that offending with a highly understandable and proper degree of horror The judge said that a significant aspect of the punishment was that Hayes Hall had been brought low from a high place in society and exposed. Judge Jukes sentenced him to 16 months in prison, suspended for two years. Hayes Hall, assessed as a medium risk, must take part in a sex offenders programme called HORIZON for two years and complete 20 rehabilitation activity days. He must also sign the sex offenders register for 10 years and will be subject to a sexual harm prevention order also for 10 years. Mm -hmm.
2: So my headline is we don't need yellow lines. A church minister's relief after the council parking plan is shelved the church minister involved is the Reverend John Musselwhite. He was worried that the lines would drive people away from Worcester's Bromyard Road Methodist Church, especially those in the congregation with disabilities. The congestion-busting initiative has now been suspended, although not completely scrapped. Mr Musselwhite said, I'm pleased with the decision, sometimes we have a car park that's half full with cars that have nothing to do with the church. It would be worse if we had double yellow lines along Bromyard Road. If the car park is full, there might be certain individuals, especially with disabilities, who could be forced not to attend church. They need to get close to the church for access. And if they can't, they will go home. They have nowhere else to park. Often now, there are. Often now, they are going home. We're, the situation is not getting any better for us. It's getting worse. It seems the council is alienating itself from the community in trying to solve a problem. It's making it more difficult. He urged the council to fully abandon the proposal and find another way of dealing with congestion on the road. John Fraser, head of highways at the council, said there's a desire to remove some parking on Bromelard Road in order to ease congestion. However, currently this has been suspended, pending further discussion with the local member, Richard Oodle. Councillor Oodle, who represents St John's, added, I am pleased that this short-sighted proposal might not be proceeding. It would have caused parking chaos and misery to many local residents. I know local businesses will also be pleased. We need to ensure that any future proposals are sympathetic to local need and do not ignore or simply dismissive of local opinion and concerns. Councillor Amos. cabinet member for highways said the process has not been stopped, the process has been suspended. An option has been put forward to me, I've asked for one or two further options to be explored before we proceed. I know this particular bit of Bromyard Road, I know people are very concerned,
3: Our next headlines from Tuesday of this week, April 17th, on the fury over rude bin bag warden. Businesses have complained about an overzealous bin bag warden who has fined a city centre firm twice in two weeks. Lee Carey, manager of Timpsons in St. Swithin Street, Worcester, said the warden had slapped him with two £100 fines this month for leaving bin bags out. Businesswoman Sarah Johnson is now calling on the enforcement officer to give local companies a bit of slack and allow them to leave bags out at night. Traders say that the bin lorry often comes before the 9.30am deadline, meaning then that their bags are not collected and thus they risk being fined. But Worcester City Council says it forbids firms from putting sacks out overnight because of seagulls and vermin. Mr Carey said, it wasn't the fine so much, it was the rudeness. She said, if you don't get your rubbish in by 9.30am, I'll fine you. Now, they say we must put the rubbish out between 6am and 9.30am. That's not realistic. Why is there a 9.30 deadline? If I get here at 6am, I'd be asleep by 2. It's asking too much. Mr Carey said he missed the rubbish truck on April 6th and the 12th, resulting <laughs> resulting in fines on both occasions. He added that he's a one-man band and cannot always check to see if his bags have been collected during work. <clears throat> Ms. Johnson, who's the owner of Simply Beautiful, also complained. She said, I'm scared to put a bin bag out. I actually live in Birmingham and I'm not going to drive down to Worcester at 5am to put bags out. It is very difficult. They should allow us to put it out the night before. If this woman sees the bags outside, she should think, is it the day before their collection? Give a bit of slack. But the City Council said it bans companies from putting bags out at night as part of a drive to deter gulls and other vermin. In a statement, the council said the City Council's trade waste policy is an important step towards this because it prevents waste from being left out on city centre streets overnight and restricts the times when businesses can put out refuse for collection. A fixed penalty notice is always issued as a last resort if face-to-face visits and warning letters to a business have proved unsuccessful. The statement added that the council had reviewed the warden's body camera footage and concluded she had behaved in a professional manner.
1: Okay, my headline is Drugs Ring Jailed. Dealers from a county line's drugs ring have been jailed for a total of 20 years following a city raid. A man and three women were imprisoned for conspiracy to supply heroin and crack cocaine as a result of the bust in Cranham Drive, Warndham. Police had to chase down all of the defendants at various points after they either ran away from officers or missed court. The prosecution is the latest success for West Mercia Police's Operation Blade, which is tackling drug-dealing gangs operating in Worcestershire. Inspector Tony Garner, head of the operation, said a drugs warrant was executed at the home of Sharon and Ebony Wilde in Cronham Drive. A quantity of Class A drugs, about six wraps, was seized from the property. A third woman, Donna Derrick, was also in the house at the time of the warrant and was arrested. Following the warrant, officers returned to the address where they saw Daniel Delahaye walking towards it. He ran from officers and following a foot chase he was detained and searched. He was found to have £1,320 on him and attempted to throw away a mobile phone. Police found mobile phone evidence suggesting that Derek and the Wilds were heavily involved in Delahaye's operation. The group were charged with conspiracy to supply Class A drugs, and the three women were released on bail. Derek, aged 37, then missed her pre trial plea hearing, and officers launched a manhunt to find her. Detectives later caught her at an address in Tipton in the West Midlands, and she was taken into custody. Sharon, aged 54, and Ebony, 26, also failed to show up for the start of their trial in Hereford Crown Court on February the 12th. Police tracked down the pair within a 24-hour deadline and arrested Ebony in Kent and Sharon in Worcester. All four individuals then pleaded guilty and were subsequently handed lengthy prison sentences at Hereford Crown Court on Monday. Investigating officer Detective Constable Alex Pullen from Operation Blade's Criminal Investigation Department team said the case posed many challenges for officers, including the offenders' attempts to evade justice. He added, I hope this sentencing highlights how seriously we take these offences and how determined we are to investigate those who bring illegal drugs into our communities. County line drug dealers coming from big cities do so because they think Worcester will be easy pickings, but they couldn't be more wrong. We have a dedicated team of determined detectives working full-time to investigate offences, and so far over 50 people have been arrested under Operation Blade. We really want the local community to work with us by reporting any suspicious activity. Even information that may seem insignificant could just be the final part of the jigsaw for us. One resident who knew the Wilds said he was pleased they had been handed hefty sentences. We see a lot of people pulling up and going up there into the flat, he said. You do the crime, you do the time. I think it's good the cops are cracking down on it. Clean up the streets. The young man, who did not want to be named, said he suspected county line gangs were operating in the area. He said a scouser recently threatened his friend with a knife near the Prince of Wales pub in Worcester's Windermere Drive. Sergeant Simon Hallam of Safe Safer Neighbourhood team said the crackdown on the operation in Cranham Drive was an example of residents working with officers to report concerns. He said, On this occasion, residents became suspicious about drug dealing on the road and had the trust in local officers to discreetly pass information. This allowed us to work with the Operation Blade detectives to investigate and arrest those involved. We would encourage anyone with any concerns to please speak with their local officers where information will be treated confidentially, confidentially, not confidentiality as it says here. We are determined that no one in our communities feel that they have put up with drug offences taking place within their neighbourhoods. The more residents speak with us, the safer and better we can make the area. Fortis Housing have evicted the Wiles from their home in Cranham Drive Delahaye of Witten Road, Birmingham, was jailed for seven years, while Sharon and Ebony received four and three years, respectively. Derek, who gave no fixed address to court, but is believed to have also previously lived in Worcester, was in prison for six years. The original police raid at the Cranham Drive property took place on Monday, October the 2nd. Anyone with information relating to drugs offences can call West Mercia Police on 101. Or Crime Stoppers on 0800 555
0: 111. A young girl from Worcester <clears throat> who has terminal cancer will meet one of her favourite TV characters to create a special memory that lasts forever, says her family. Soldier Wayne Smith will run the London Marathon this weekend for a charity that will be making seven-year-old Lily May's dream of meeting Mr. Tumble come true. Lily May, who attends Chadsgrove School in Bromsgrove, is the daughter of Wayne's partner, Liz, and he is taking part in the 26.2-mile race this Sunday with the aim of raising £2,000 for Make-A-Wish. And this was on thursday that's today actually so it's next weekend the 34 year old explained that he decided to take part in the famous fundraising event after being inspired by lily may who lives in Ronxwood with her mum mr smith said lily may has a terminal cancer diagnosis so every day is both a blessing and a battle In the year or so that Lily May has been in my life, I have seen her slowly deteriorate. She has less energy and is less mobile as time goes by. Luckily, she has a fantastic mum, my girlfriend Liz, and big brother and sister Blake and Chloe, who all enjoy entertaining Lily May, which is sometimes a difficult job, especially as she becomes tired quite quickly these days. On the charity, he added, Make a wish do fantastic work. The difference a wish can make to the child and their family is immense, granting wishes from a simple day at the seaside to a trip to Disney World. Mr Smith said the charity will be making Lily May's wish to meet Justin Fletcher, also known as mister Tumble from CBB's come true, with a trip to Reading later this month. It'll be a day we are not thinking about a diagnosis, and Lily May will get to see a show from him, he said. It will be a special memory that lasts forever. Mr. Smith is already well on the way to the target amount, having raised more than £800 for the charity, including having his legs waxed, which raised £230. He said training had been going well for the marathon and he was hoping to run the distance in a time of less than four and a half hours. I have been training in rain and snow but I'm hearing the temperature is going to be 22 degrees, so runners are having to prepare for it being hot, he said. Mm -hmm. I'm now looking for the help of the kind people from my hometown, companies or people that would be willing to donate to help me reach my goal and to help change the lives of as many children as possible. To make a donation, visit justliving.com forward slash fundraising, forward slash Wayne hyphen Smith hyphen Marathon. OK, well, that's the end of the headlines. We'll new move on now to um, some other stories over the last seven days. Over to you, Paddy. I've got something um, quite cheerful here, assessing the
2: riverside. Whoops. Planners are set to discuss which parts of the Riverside are worth conserving. An appraisal of the Riverside landscape of the Severn as it runs through the city has been made by Worcester City Council. (coughs) The assessment will be discussed by the Council's Planning Committee. This will be next week, I think, um, before the public are consulted about it as a basis for a conservative conservation policy. It divides the length of the river into eight areas, from Northwick, South to Team Meadow and Poick Mills. It describes the high and low points of each area. Norfolk is described as largely agricultural and equestrian use, with a strong rural feel, but the presence of electricity lines and pylons has a negative impact. Strange mm-hmm. Pitchcroft is inherently associated with horse racing and is distinctly recreational. Across the river, Hilton Road is described as a relatively confused image of a large 20th century, large industrial units set in large urban blocks, many with limited aesthetic value. The historic heart of Worcester at Quayside is assessed in some details. With mention of Hilton Road Power Station, which used to dominate the view and is only survive, its only surviving feature is the screenhouse for cooling water intake. The railway viaduct is locally listed, and redevelopment and conversion of warehouses in South Key, including fountains, have created a sense of significant space as well as a destination and a viewpoint. Flooding is mentioned, of course, and the Swan Sanctuary makes a significant contribution to the area and an attraction to passers by, while the view of the Cathedral dominates. The modern replacement of the original pavilion at Worcestershire's County Cricket Ground is criticised for presenting a featureless rear face to new road. Flood meadows south of the city centre are described as highly significant in such an urban setting. It is the openness of the area interspersed with field boundaries and tree-lined riverbanks which provide an ecological haven and form a wildlife corridor that runs through the heart of Worcester. The industrial character of Diglis, with its canal locks, workshops, and cranes, is said to be integral. But unfortunately, the sewage, slugs, beds of Seven Trents Works occasionally cause an unpleasant smell in the vicinity, mm. as the locals know only too well. Uh, is there any more? No, I'm sorry, I think that was the end of it.
3: Okay. <coughs> mm. From today's paper again, I've picked up an item with the on, about the ongoing saga of the sale of the AB1 car registration plate. Now, this has been going on for months, but a scrutiny body has now found, in their view that a police boss effectively ignored a higher potential offer for the prestigious number plate. West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion withdrew the AB1 number plate from sale just three days after it had been advertised in the Daily Telegraph. He then sold the prized piece of police heritage to the former Chief Constable Paul West – for £160,000, leading to accusations that he had undersold the item. The West Mercia Police and Crime Panel has concluded that he effectively ignored a potential offer of around £300,000, which he received a day after withdrawing the plate from sale last July. However, the panel did not believe that the PCC had acted dishonestly. Speaking at the panel's meeting last February, the former superintendent, Andy Parks, described the sale as an insider, underhanded, unethical deal. He added that the members of the public have not had the opportunity to bid for it, and this is not the best use of public money. That plate was advertised but it was then withdrawn from the advert very shortly afterwards and sold in private for 160000 In his view, that plate could have been and would have been sold for for a sum far in excess of that. The former Malvern Town Councillor Clive Smith added that the police force had lost out on at least £100,000 as a result of this premature sale but Mr. Campion has argued that he thought he was legally bound to accept the 160000 offer from Mr. West. He added that he sometimes felt as though he was on trial at that meeting in February. He said, "'The panel's report is clear that I had the right to sell the registration, that the sale was conducted with integrity, and that it was sold to the person who made the highest bid while AB1 was on the market.'" Panel's recommendations are noted. Now, the panel's report stated that they did not consider that the PCC had added in any way dishonestly, but felt it was a serious error to have effectively ended the sale process on only the second working day after the one and only national advert, and to have effectively ignored the much higher 300 or even 305,000 offer indicated on what was only the third working day after that advert. AB1 number plate was traditionally displayed on the Chief Constable's staff cars in Worcestershire. Mr. West has said that he plans to keep the plate in the county. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: A medical supplies delivery driver has avoided a ban despite failing a roadside breath test and refusing to provide further samples after being found in his car with the engine running. Mark Heffernan was parked in Pitchcroft Car Park near Worcester Police Station after a night out and told officers he was sleeping to avoid driving home drunk. The former army serviceman, who now delivers palliative care equipment and medication to relieve the suffering of terminally ill patients, was allowed to keep his licence when appearing before magistrates on Thursday. He had refused two required further breath samples at the police station and accepted the charge of failure to provide a specimen. Sue Roberts, chair of the bench, said, "'Exceptional hardship would be caused to the patients under your care if you were to lose your employment.'" The court heard how Heffernan of Stretton Road, Kidderminster, is one of only two people who each drive round 700 miles a month to deliver the service. Leslie Ashton, prosecuting, said the defendant was found in his car at 5.40am on March 30th by officers. She said Heffernan initially refused to give his name and date of birth and claimed he was asleep before, before providing a positive breath sample. Mr McQueen, defending, said he had no intention of driving. He said the defendant had switched on the engine to allow the car to heat up and had then fallen asleep. The court heard how Heffernan had served in the army for 19 years before being discharged with PTSD. Mr McQueen said Heffernan, 41, visits his three daughters in Teesside each weekend with a driving ban meaning he would be unable to see them. His licence was endorsed with 10 points, already carrying 3, and he was ordered to pay a total of £426
0: in fines and costs. Family, friends and colleagues gathered yesterday, that's Monday, uh, to say farewell to a much-loved former Worcester News sports editor, Paul Ricketts more than a hundred people crowded into the chapel at Worcester Crematorium for a service to celebrate Mr Ricketts' life. The service included music, poems and a hymn chosen by Mr Ricketts' family, a eulogy written by family members and a tribute by James Rees, the current sports editor of the Worcester News, who worked closely with Mr Ricketts for many years. All emphasised the regard in which Mr Ricketts, affectionately known as Ricco, was held and his warmth, kindness and generosity. His devotion to his wife Anne, his children and his grandchildren was also highlighted. He was a truly beautiful soul and a great father, his family said in their eulogy. Mr Ricketts was born and brought up in Worcester after attending the Royal Grammar School where he played rugby and cricket he began his journalism career in 1967 at the Evesham office of Barrow's Newspapers Limited the predecessor of today's Newsquest which now owns the Worcester News and other county newspapers he was subsequently transferred to the Worcester office where he became news editor and then assistant editor, before taking the role of sports editor in 1990. He remained in his post until his retirement on October 2015, on his 65th birthday. Many of Mr Ricketts' colleagues, past and present, attended the service, sharing their memories of him in conversations before and after the service. The wake took place at the Graham Hicks suite at Worcestershire County Cricket Club's New Road Ground where Mr Ricketts had spent many happy hours watching the county team. Mr Reece said, Ricker was very much the family man, He adored his children and grandchildren and I always admired the way he would ring his beloved wife Anne every lunchtime from his office desk in between munching on his sandwiches. It was typical of Paul's caring and gentlemanly nature. When he lost Anne less than a year into leaving the Worcester News, it was a cruel blow for a man who thoroughly deserved to enjoy his retirement – and hit Rico incredibly hard, but he gained strength from his family around him.
2: Now, here's a nice, cheerful occupation for you. You can watch the giraffes coming alive for the trail. (laughs) Visitors to a Worcester shop, shop, oh, sorry, a shopping centre, can sneak a peek while artists paint giraffe sculptures, for Worcester stands tall. Until Friday May the 11th, a unit next to Jodo Mamambebe in Crowngate Shopping Centre will be a painting space for artists chosen to take part. The 30 eight-foot-tall giraffe sculptures will stand th- through the streets and open spaces of the city for about ten weeks to raise funds for St Richard's Hospice. Katie Hodgetts from Starport on Severn is currently studying textile design at Birmingham City University. Her giraffe design is a tribute to her grandfather. She said, He went to Sir Richard's Hospice every week for art therapy. My design is in his memory and features memories and heaven. He was an artist. So I wanted to do something in memory of him, but also something he would like. Marnie Moorey, an artist from Bromsgrove, took inspiration from nature for her sculpture. She said, it's called The Giraffe Who Found His Happy Place. It's going to be really happy and colourful. <laughs> The idea is about finding happiness in nature and the elements, so I featured the sun, the sky, the sea, the rainbow and clouds. Mrs Morey said, I'm trained in theatre design, so I'm used to working on a big scale. It's a really nice shape. Sully Susie Elizabeth Hunt from St John's, Worcester, has just finished her fine art degree at Birmingham City University. Her design for her giraffe is inspired by the Worcester pear. She said, I wanted to merge the characteristics of the pear with the shape of the giraffe. I've also used the colour scheme of the Worcestershire flag, blue, green and white, with black pears. Gilly Oxlade Arnott, an architectural artist who normally uses watercolour, said, I've never done anything this size, so it's a challenge. And her giraffe design celebrates Worcester's heritage and architecture. And there's two pictures of the ladies doing their
0: paintings. OK, we'll uh, crack on now with the letters. So, Boyra, would you like to start us off, please? I would. Okay, my letter's from J. Badger
1: of Worcester. Sir, re here be dragons, the Worcestershire Museum's object in your weekend supplement April the 14th. The in question was probably a red dragon, not a wyvern. Many historians believe that when the Romans left Britain, many stayed to protect what they had fought for. The leader is believed to be Artos the Bear, protecting Britain from the Anglo-Saxons who raided the island constantly. Artos fought and died under the battle flag of the Red Dragon. Legend mixed with history and Artos became King Arthur, thanks to Mallory and Geoffrey of Monmouth. Later, the Welsh adopted the Red Dragon banner. Most famously, Henry Tudor, later Henry VII, fought Richard III at Bosworth Field. The Red Dragon
0: killed the White Boar, Richard's emblem. Okay, a letter here from uh, N. Taylor of Worcester. Uh, Sir, I enjoyed Robert Patterson's letter uh, entitled Suggestions to Tackle Traffic, but I would like him to view traffic from a strategic standpoint. If he does, he should see that traffic is merely the symptom of a much larger problem. That problem is people. There are far too many of us for our roads to cope with. The same applies to our hospitals, our schools and the entire social infrastructure that supports us. And those who are supposed to represent us are making our problems even worse by chucking up ever more concrete across our farmland to house even more of us, which is engulfing us all in humanity. Worcester's population is set to double. I pity the children I see walking to school and going to university. They face chaos. Young people starting out in life are faced with paying an extra £75,000 for the average home because mass immigration has driven up property prices hugely. We cannot build our way out of a growing population crisis, which few dare acknowledge. Our problem uh, sorry, our population has been totally unsustainable for decades because more people means more profits, more taxes, and more growth by mid century we shall need to import food for more than fifty million people. How are we going to do that with a global population of eleven thousand million when catastrophic changes to our global climate wreck global farming and our activities have hugely depleted global fisheries, poisoned the oceans, raised their temperatures and increased their acidity, thereby sowing the seeds of destruction for the marine species 2 billion of us depend upon. What you see as traffic, Mr. Patterson, is merely the most obvious manifestation of the absolute chaos today's generation of children will face mid-century and beyond. Gosh, what a depressing outlook.
2: And without the plastic being mentioned. Now, here's a a, a viewpoint from Sheila Garner of St. John's Worcester. sir. it would appear that, yet again, the Highways Department at County Hall is not up to the job. They have no idea how to look at a job differently for a quicker and better result. Why didn't they organise the new road works so that the men worked day and night with extensive plant helping them and close the road off completely for one week? Don't they look at how other organisations work? The whole thing is a disgrace, and
3: heads should roll. That's it. Following on from that, a letter from Robin Smith relating particularly to the idea of a planned pedestrian bridge north of the city. Sir, read the Worcester City Council booklet, your services 2018-19, principally relating to the planned pedestrian bridge north of the city. I have to admit, finding their terminology somewhat confusing, when is a pedestrian bridge not a footbridge? This was all revealed in a recent report of a Policy and Resources Committee meeting that the proposed pedestrian bridge will also be for cyclists, therefore not exclusively for walkers, as indicated in their leaflet. Um, Should these councillors find this designation confusing, The clue is found in the title. Based on their definition, is the intention of this group of cross-party councillors totally to de-restrict pedestrianised areas, sanctioning cycling, including the electric variety, with unrestricted freedom to ride through locations presently deemed traffic-free for shoppers and visitors. Those utilising pedestrian bridges, footpaths, the canal and riverside walks already endure a constant threat whilst co-sharing with cyclists passing in close proximity." Do these officials actually want to further their boundaries with its inevitable consequences? I believe those aspiring councillors who may appear on our doorstep nearing the May elections should be asked to define their duty of care relating to the safety of persons walking around our city. Mm.
1: OK, my letter is from Emerson Fryer of Bodenham, Sir... Your front page, 20 years for city dealers, so that was yesterday, sounds harsh, but the sentences were seven, six and three years, of which half or less will be served. Not so harsh and not much of a deterrent at all.
0: Okay, Snappy positive letter here from C.D. Lee of Worcester. Sir, how lovely the Arboretum Community Gardens are. Whenever I pass along the canal towpath, I always appreciate the hard work and effort by the Residents' Association.
2: Yes, I I have uh, got a political one from Nick Chance. It's headed, Green Agenda is... Whoops, Green Agenda is nonsense. Sir, it beggars belief that people have no idea exactly what the Green Party actually supports... Even their helpers seem to have little idea about this Marxist-driven party, so let me help you. Greens hate individual freedom and private property. They dream of centralised, unelected, global, elite, new world order agencies to control us. The key slogan of the Green religion is sustainable development with them defining what is sustainable with food produced in concentrated feedlots, factory farms, communal gardens and hydroponics. Greens want every tree protected, even woody weeds taking over ancient treeless grasslands. Red meat and forest timber are unsustainable. And they want us to live in houses made of recycled cardboard and plastic and eating fake steak and protein powder made from methane generated from decomposing rubbish dumps. Greens hate reliable grid power from coal, nuclear, oil, gas or hydro generators. Their sustainable option is part time power from wind and solar with the inevitable blackouts and shortages needing more rules and rationing greens hate free markets where prices are used to signal changing supply and demand there is no room for this frills or luxuries in their sustainable world they also face a compulsory favor sorry compulsory recycling of everything no matter what the process costs in energy or resources. Surveillance cameras will keep watch on our wasteful habits in their Marxist vision. None of this vast green agenda is compatible with the individual freedom, constitutional rights or private property, and none of it makes any economic or clima- climate sense. Perhaps i shan't vote for them after all. <laughs>
3: Well, here's another angle on the ongoing Brexit situation from Derek Fernside, particularly relating to the security aspects. Surely, sir, surely any threat to European unity heightens the possibility of conflict. Strengthening unity was the whole point of the original unsuccessful European defence community back in the 1950s, Then came the Schuman Plan, which led to the European economic community during the same era. The United States did not want to have to come and sort out a European war for a third time and put considerable pressure on all parties to create institutions to bind Western European countries, including Britain, together. We are now told that by our gov- we're now told by our government that Russia has interfered in recent British electoral processes through social media. Readers might like to consider the motive for its actions. Could it possibly be President Putin's aim to make Russia great again? Certainly, weakening European unity would be a good start in achieving his territorial ambitions. For example, in the Baltic states, where there's been a big build-up of military forces facing them. How Mr Cameron was mocked for warning of the risk of war prior to the referendum. Looking at the media reports today of the possible broader consequences of military action, he might have had a point after all. We must all hope that international relations do improve sufficiently to avoid his predictions. Mm-hmm. OK, we're going to go back to some stories now. So,
0: uh, Moira, if you'd like to start us off, please. <coughs> OK, um,
1: this is a walk raising diabetes awareness. A family fun walk to raise awareness of diabetes was he- held in Worcester. The Lions Family Safari Walk, hosted by the six Worcestershire Lion Clubs, took place in Worcester Woods County Park yesterday. So that was um, Sunday. People could choose either a 5K or 2.5K route and all money raised through the event will be donated to Diabetes UK. A diabetes testing booth with trained medics was on site, offering families the opportunity to get checked out for free. The event, which is the first of its kind, was held as part of the National Lions Strides campaign, a project to raise awareness of diabetes. Keith Goodwin, immediate past president of Bromsgrove Lions, said... We hope to encourage people to be more aware of diabetes and get themselves tested. There are so many people who are walking around with diabetes and they don't know they have it. Chris Southworth of Hallow Road, who took part in the event with his wife Karen, said our son Andrew, who is now 24, was diagnosed with diabetes at 6 years old. So we always support things to do with diabetes. We saw this event and thought it would be a good opportunity to do this and raise awareness. He added, It is the first time they've held this event, but it will grow. Worcester Mayor Steve Mackay said, It is a great idea to get people on board and convince people, even if they're frightened, to get tested.
0: Okay, well, I expect most people realise that Monday is the 23rd of April, which is St George's Day. And uh, St George is, of course, linked with uh, slaying the dragon, isn't he? So, uh, uh, Today dragons are the mythical creatures of legend linked to the adventures of England's patron saint and more recently to the fantasy world Game of Thrones. But a special talk in Worcester to coincide with St George's Day will explain they were once regarded as very much real with reports of sightings. University of Worcester historian Professor Darren Aldridge will show how such beliefs shed light on the way people once saw the world. The talk, Why Did People Believe in Dragons, takes place at the Commandery on Saturday, April 21st at 2 p.m. It's free to visitors, but normal entrance charges apply. Reserve a place via commandery at worcestershire.gov.uk. Students at the university can book free via ihca at worcester.ac.uk. Talking of dragons, here's Paddy with the next story. (laughs) No,
2: how, how do you all pronounce the new St. Modwin housing development up at Whittington? I don't know. Because here's the piece about it. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to go for Volga and Whoops! Because Worcester used to be uh, Vigornia, didn't it? Um, A row has broken out as to whether the residents are pronouncing the name of their new estate properly. The name of V. Park was chosen as a nod to the city's historical heritage, as it's believed to be an early version of Worcester. Residents we spoke to at the estate on Whittington Road say they all pronounce it with a W, but Jan Jarvis of Spetchley Road Residents Association says it should be pronounced with a V instead. She argues this is because W was a recently invented letter, although the council and the estate development say that the current W pronunciation is right. And there was no uh, W in the Latin language, I believe. Miss... Jarvis said it makes me so angry when they chose names like that they should spell it properly it should be with a v so that people can pronounce it there's no respect for language James Din, who's archaeological officer for Worcester City Council said his team had not been given a pronunciation guide <laughs> he believes the v pronunciation may have previously ruled supreme and the W variation is now probably correct. Dave Smith, managing director of some modern homes, said Gregorian was part of the original name given to Worcester by the Anglo-Saxons, meaning people of the winding river. And in honor of the city's history oh, sorry historical heritage, it seemed an appropriate name for the development. He said he was not aware of alternative pronunciations. So the Roman name for Worcester was Vigonia, as there is no W in the Latin language. Anyway, they seem to sell the houses like... <laughs> 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 so <just> it. <laughs> like <laughs> wi
3: whatever they're called. Right. Yes, your, your turn. Right. Next mm. one is um, very much um, mm. subject of plastics, which is greatly in mm-hmm. the news at the moment. And here's a little bit of news about some local initiative on the agenda. Replacing single-use plastic cups and cutlery with washable, reusable or recyclable alternatives will be discussed by the political leaders of the Worcestershire County Council. The Conservative-run Cabinet will consider whether to replace single-use plastic water cups with washable, reusable items to ask its caterers to use recyclable coffee cups and encourage the use of alternative materials for cups, bottles, cutlery and all all the things that go on in the councils, buildings and events on the catering side. The discussion centres on two motions passed at the last full council meeting last February. The exact words "encourage the use of alternative materials was included in a Conservative amendment to a Labour motion which said the Council should vow to stop the use of such items within a year. Councillor Tony Miller, who's the Cabinet member responsible for the environment, said the Council had already made some of the changes urged by the motions, but some (coughs) may take a little longer. The council's caterers, known as Servest, offers discounts for people using reusable cups at County Hall and the Hive Cafe offers free refills for those who bring in their own reusable cup. He added, now this is something we absolutely want to do and we're already doing a lot of it, but we've got a contract and it's not always that easy to make changes in a hurry. There are other aspects as well. For example, if you move over to biodegradable plastic cups and there's a cost difference from the petroleum-based plastic, then if just one petroleum cup gets into a batch of the biodegradable, biodegradable ones, it ruins the batch. <coughs> I do want the implications of these decisions to be understood he added that in this county, plastic waste is not landfilled but is burnt at the waste to energy facility near Kidderminster. Green councillor Matthew Jenkins, a sponsor of one of the motions, said, Just encouraging people doesn't really make a difference. The environment is one of the council's major responsibilities. They're talking about it a lot, but I'd like to see some action. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> an uncle has lambasted a housing association for allowing his nephew's kitchen to flood every day for over a month. David Smith, aged 71, accused Fortis Living of an incompetence over its failure to fix a blocked pipe at his relative's flat in Chatcombe Drive, Worcester. Mr Smith claims he has had to make daily trips to his 61-year-old nephew's property to bail water out of a sink. He added, Every day I put a bucket down and bail out water and put it in the drain outside. It's made his life a misery. He lives alone. He can't do no washing. It's just dirty water circulating. He has to take his clothes to his sister's. He shouldn't have to live like that. He pays his rent. I keep phoning them, that's Fortis, up every day. They said they will put scaffolding up on Monday. Mr Smith believes the pipe was originally blocked by occupants in a neighbouring flat. He added that other people's food waste has also come up through his nephew's sink. He said, this mess is the result of incompetence by Fortis Living. They keep fobbing you off with different stories, saying when they're going to do it, and they're going to look into this and look into that. In the meantime, we have to live like this, with water flooding every day. I think it's absolutely disgusting the way they have treated their tenants. Forty staff were supposed to unblock the pipe on March 1st. However, they cancelled the job and were not able to return until March 16th. On their second trip, they did not manage to fix the problem and the flooding became worse after their visit. Mr Smith said he is looking after the property because his nephew, Philip Meenigan, is often away due to his work as a lorry driver. He added, I am retired. He is usually up and down the country. What's the point of him having time off losing money when I can go there and look after it? Fortis Living was unavailable for comment.
0: Not many of us can look at one of Worcester's most distinctive modern buildings and think, I did that. <clears throat> but Councillor Jeff Williams, who's standing down, can get that little frisson of pleasure every time he sees the hive in the centre of the city. For Councillor Williams, who has been representing Gorse Hill as a Labour councillor at the Guildhall for 19 years, has been particularly active in planning making decisions on how the city develops and has had a couple of stints as the chairman of the planning committee he said planning is vitally important to the city it determines how its economy develops how we increase prosperity how we grow the city it depends how we will prov- it decides how we will provide housing for the people we need to take the jobs that come And as part of it, we also have to preserve the best of Worcester as the city develops to keep it a great place to live. I'm quite proud of the hive. It only just squeaked through the planning process. It's a marmite building. A lot of people didn't like it. Councillor Williams came to Worcester in the early 1990s with his partner Moira and from his native London where he had already spent eight years as councillor in the borough of Southwark. He worked for Coventry City Council but took early retirement in the late late 90s allowing him to resume his political career. He added, I was pleased to be part of the decision-making bringing Cathedral Square back. It used to be quite run down. I also had a role in economic matters with a scheme to encourage apprenticeships, enhancing our grants to business and nurturing the kiln in Copenhagen Street as a space for start-up businesses. Come May the 3rd, Mr Williams, as he will be then, uh, will be again at the election count and will then enjoy travelling and walking with Moira and listening to modern jazz. <coughs> Candidates in Gorse Hill are Mohammed Altaf, Conservative, Jenny Barnes, Labour and Cooperative Party, Hannah Cooper, Green Party, and John Francis Ukip.
2: I have a lovely, um, colourful picture of St John's Cycling Club here and it's entitled Kids to Hone Cycling Skills. A city cycling club is offering youngsters the chance to hone their off-road cycling skills. The Worcester Youth Off-Road Initiative has been launched by Worcester St John Cycling Club and would give an opportunity for those too young to practice on the public highway. Scheme organiser Paul Subrick said the health and social benefits of cycling are well known, but we couldn't find a suitable facility in Worcester despite the rise in cycle sport activity. Adults and older teens are able to access cycle sport on public roads, but the earliest children can participate in public road events is 12 years of age. So, with the backing of Worcester City Council, we have secured a quiet, grassy area at Purtiswall Park five evenings this summer for six to eleven-year-olds. We will be working on cycle handling, bike maintenance and safety, racing against the clock, sprinting and head-to-head racing. Off-road cycling improves the cycling skills of children, so that when they do ride on the road, they're much more competent. We hope that some will go on to join our club and be tomorrow's racers. One of the scheme's objectives is to assess the demand for off-road cycling activities among cycling club members and city residents in a bid to secure a permanent site for off-road cycle sport. The scheme, which will take place on five Fridays from mid-May to the beginning of July, will be run by experienced club cyclists with coaching history. Parents will be required to accompany their child during the sessions and bikes need to be in good order. The scheme is free. For more information, visit wsjc.co.uk.
3: Now some welcome news from our cathedral. Internal scaffolding has finally been taken down at Worcester Cathedral as the latest phase of its window restoration project almost reaches completion. The Great West Window in the Cathedral has been newly restored, shows the sun, stars, creatures, animals and Adam and Eve depicting the creation. This new project has been funded by the English Cathedral's First World War Repair Fund, from which our Cathedral has received nearly nine hundred thousand pounds. To celebrate the end of this work, a special festival Evensung will be held at 4pm on Sunday, June the 10th, when the newly restored window will be blessed and Thanksgiving offered for the completion of all the projects. The Dean of the Cathedral, Very Reverend Dr. Peter Atkinson, said, We give thanks to our donors and benefactors who give not only money but time, effort, experience, ideas and their prayers – These are the things that sustain the life of the cathedral today no less than 800 years ago. This service will become an annual occasion to acknowledge our many donors and benefactors, past and present, even going back to King Henry III in 1218, who was a notable and very generous example. The scaffolding has been in place since last year. There is still some work to be done by the cathedral stonemasons, particularly on the outside of the west window, so the external scaffolding at the west end of the cathedral will not come down until the first week in June. Mm -hmm.
1: The replacement for a warehouse which was destroyed in a huge fire will be discussed at the Guildhall next week. Arndale Properties Limited wants to rebuild the Arrow XL warehouse at the Blackpole East Trading Estate on Blackpole Road. The building was gutted after it caught fire a year ago in a blaze that was tackled by 70 firefighters. If approved and built, it will again be used by logistics company Arrow XL. The new building would be slightly larger, both in height and footprint, in order to meet with modern operational requirements. Arrow XL wants to use the warehouse for its two Man delivery service where they take large household items directly to the consumer on behalf of companies including Amazon, Asda and Shop Direct. Goods will arrive at the new warehouse in the early morning in large articulated trucks, be processed and then distributed in smaller lorries through the day. The report us the city councillors said Arrow XL is proposing to operate a near identical operation to that previously in use at the site prior to the fire. The increased foot floor space being proposed is to be used for additional long-term storage of goods. The two-man delivery operation would therefore be unaffected by the increase in floor area. The daily operation of the site will not intensify. The building caught fire on April 20th with fire crews from Redditch and Bromsgrove drafted in to help. All staff working in the building were safely evacuated and there were no injuries. The report to members of the planning committee by City Council officers say clearance work of the remnants of the destroyed warehouse has begun and that some contaminants have been discovered. Nevertheless, the report recommends that the plans be approved, subject to a number of conditions, including an investigating and monitoring possible contamination of soil and groundwater. The committee meeting begins at one thirty on Thursday, so that's <coughs> next Thursday.
0: Uh, Paul Robinson is feeling pretty chipper and optimistic. <coughs> it is to be expected he newly in his job as the Chief Executive, the highest non-elected officer at Worcestershire County Council, and as was recently revealed, is fairly decently paid at £163,000. But he has on his plate turning around the council's children's services which were put into special measures after a damning Ofsted report and which are soon to be totally reorganised. Mr Robinson, eight forty nine, 49, originally from Leeds, said, Happily for me, the improvements have already started and we've had a couple of further reports from Ofsted that it's definitely heading in the right direction. I'm very confident that we're going to get a good service. That was one of the things that attracted me to the job when I saw it come up. I was at Derby City Council for ten years, and the children's service there was rated good, and I worked closely with the director of the service there. My job is to make sure the resource allocation is right, and then to ask the right questions of the senior managers to make sure the right things are happening. We shouldn't expect a linear improvement. It doesn't just get better in a straight line. Some areas will improve, and then we'll be told something else isn't improving fast enough. I also have to guard against people getting discouraged when that happens. Another reason for coming to Worcestershire is the beauty of the county mr robinson said we live near derby and used to come to worcestershire quite often at the weekends and always thought it would be a nice it would be nice to work and live here that's what i'd really like to do in my time here i want to help keep worcestershire a beautiful place to live with its beauty and history and increase the opportunities for everyone This county is a hidden gem, and I want to help improve it for everyone.
2: Now, I have a picture of a man with his dog. He's a dog lover from Worcestershire, and he's launched his own business to encourage local owners to dine out with their pets. Dogs allowed, the brainchild of 27 year old marketeer Nick. Fisher was launched earlier this week for county pet owners, offering discounts at restaurants, shops, and pubs to customers who bring along their four legged friends. Mr. Fisher said, Dogs Allowed is basically a movement to make dog friendly the norm. The idea was born from my passion for great grub and love of dining out locally, but my hatred of having to leave Max my alarmingly large golden poodle at home. Owners don't want to have to tie their dogs up outside, plus a lot of them aren't aware of some of the places that do allow dogs. So we're flying the fag for dogs and reaching out (coughs) to more and more venues to get the word out. Dozens of dog friendly <clears throat> venues have already signed up. Dogs Allowed partners include Wayland's Yard and Burger Shop in Worcester, Baileys of Bromsgrove, Ollie's Eatery in Bromsgrove, Cafe Morso in Droitwich, and the Wild Moor Oak have also signed up. George Bailey, co owner of Bailey's Bottle Shop, so there's not that many dog-friendly days places in Bromsgrove at the moment or at least you don't hear about them we love dogs so we knew from the start that we were going to let dogs in lots of people have dogs so you're cancelling out quite a large customer base if you don't allow dogs inside members are allocated with a dogs allowed card which is all they need to present it at the till to get their discount when they make a purchase in one of their venues taking part in the scheme. Membership cards cost twenty nine pounds. Visit dogs allowed. dot co dot uk for details. But
1: <laughs> they have the dog
2: with them. The dog's got to pay twenty nine quid
3: before uh. it can get in. <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> I get it. Right. Now, a bit of news about further expansion of our ma- one of our major mm. local legal mm. firms. Harris and Clark Rickabies have created four new partners as part of their expansion plans. In total, there have been 15 promotions now through every level of the legal firm. Um, family lawyers have expanded, and also on the commercial side, and two or three others have also become associates. The new senior partner, Richard Knight, said, These talented people richly deserve their promotions. Recognising talent, commitment and dedication is very important to us. I look forward to seeing all of them progress further in the firm. We've opened up a Cambridge office founded on the excellent work of partner Inga Anson over the last year, and this is another indication of the way this firm is growing. Our success is based solidly on client demand. This, is, this expansion is an example of that. Overall, Harris and Clark Rickabies now employ 470 staff across offices in our region. The new Cathedral Square office adds more than 10,000 square feet of space and this will allow for further significant expansion of the numbers based here in Worcester. There are already about 150 employed in the city. The firm also now has a permanent London base and will be expanding its Birmingham office later this year. Okay, this is what we've
1: all been waiting for. Mixed reaction to new road delays. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Drivers faced delays and disruption following the closure of New Road. The road shut at eight pm on Friday and was set to reopen at six am today. So that was Monday. This was to allow work on the new one point two million pound flood prevention work to raise a two hundred metre stretch of New Road by fifteen inches. The project started on January the 8th and is due to be complete on Monday, May the 7th. Motorists' reaction to the closures were mixed. Malcolm Whitcomb said, It's a waste of money. The road only closed twice in 30 years. Jonathan Milnes said, There has been no thought for how it was planned out. It's ridiculous. Andrew Robinson said, I kept well away. Worcester is closed for business today as far as I'm concerned. Andy Daniel added, the impact of this has been far worse than having a natural flood. But Anne Pratt said, it was strange seeing different traffic directions, but very well organised and work to treat. So stop moaning, there was plenty of warning about this happening. Karen Groves added, the diversion setup worked brilliantly, great job. It was strange to see people driving in the wrong direction on the other side. A localised diversion route was in operation throughout the weekend. The route took vehicles heading towards St John's from the city centre into a single lane over the bridge and then right down Hilton Road and then left along Tybridge Street. Traffic going eastwards into the city from St John's was restricted to one lane until the start of the bridge although two lanes were kept open over the bridge as usual. Pedestrians and dismounted cyclists would still be able to use new Road throughout the closure. When the road closure was announced by Worcester County Council, residents took to social media to vent their frustration, (coughs) uh, made with many saying the closure would cause chaos. Previously, transport bosses reassured residents
0: that disruption would be minimised. Okay, dust off your trowel, dig out your seeds and get ready to plant. The Worcester's show is back and gardeners have been advised they need to act now to ensure they can harvest their fruit and vegetables in time for this summer show. The popular event, which attracted approximately 13,000 visitors last year, will take place in Gelliveld Park on Sunday, August the 12th. There are over 120 classes to enter, including special classes for novice fruit and vegetable growers, as well as more experienced gardeners and under 18s. There are also a large number of handicraft, cookery, art, and photography classes, including a range of special categories for children and young people. All the classes are free to enter. New classes for 2018 include the submission of giraffe themed photography or floral decoration to tie in with St. Richard's Hospice. Sorry, to tie in with Richard, St. Richard's Hospice's Worcester Stands Tall public art trail. Harriet Povey, last year's overall under 18s winner, said, I entered the Worcester show last year. As I have a love of photography and thought it would be it would be exciting to be part of the event. I was a bit overwhelmed by the results because I didn't expect to win. I would encourage anyone of any age who enjoys taking photographs to enter the show as it's a great way to gain experience and have fun. Gary Leith, Jerry Leith chairman of the show committee said the Worcester show celebrates the amazing creativity of local people and we're really keen to encourage residents who've never entered the show before to have a go this year the Worcester show was first held in Cripplegate Park in 2006 moving to Gullivelle Park in 2010 Uh, more details are at Worcestershire show uh, .org.uk Okay, well, we've come to the end of this week's edition, and this is my last as editor. Oh. Big sigh, please. I'd like to thank the marvellous team that we have here, and hope you've enjoyed it. Have a good week, and we'll be back with you soon.
1: Bye. 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 Bye.